The audio you're about to hear was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Hello and welcome to Project Shadow, episode number 581, Hella and the Magic Hammer. Man, I'm so excited to be back podcasting with you guys and we're using the Anchor app, which you probably noticed from the little jingle at the beginning of the episode that said that this was recorded on Anchor. Well, it was. If you're not familiar with Anchor, Anchor is an amazing app that is reinventing radio. And no, they didn't pay me to say that. They really, really are. So if you have an iOS or an Android device, they both have the Anchor app in the App Store. So go, download it, search for Project Shadow and follow me, and you will get these stories as they happen and additional stuff that will not make it into the podcast, such as sometimes we do music parties here, sometimes just kind of updating about what's going on in the day, lots of stuff. I use Anchor a lot. I love Anchor. It, it makes me happy. It's one of my favorite, favorite social media apps. So definitely follow us over there. One of the really nice features that they have is the call-in feature. If, if on any of our stories you are really excited and you want to chime in, you can do that. You just click call-in, and it brings up a screen where you hold your phone up to your head, you talk, you put your phone down, and you send it in. And we get the audio, and we can respond to the audio, audio and have a conversation. How cool is that? This is everything that we've been wanting as a podcast for a really long time, and it's here. We finally have it. So, yay! I forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> That's how excited I am. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And Project Shadow is back, baby. And we've got some big stories for you, including a big surprise for longtime listeners who've been wanting this to happen for a while. It's finally happening. So what is the big surprise that I promised you guys? Brian's back. Say hi, Brian. Hello, hello. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of the things that makes this really, really good. And you can hear Sasha's back, too, probably from the Tick, Tick, Tack as she runs across the floor, because the doggy likes to Tick, Tick, Tack across the floor. Oh, my goodness. The new Thor Ragnarok trailer teaser, sorry, teaser, not a trailer, because we make distinctions now about little stupid things like that, is out. I I, I feel like Rob. Like, if you don't follow Rob Explains or <laughs> Comics Explained on YouTube or any of the other things that he's on, definitely follow it and find his video titled um, The Thorch Teaser, though, because <laughs> that's how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it blew me away. Uh, it was so awesome. Uh, you know, when I when I, they were talking about this project and putting it together, I was really excited and hoping they would be able to at least bring in elements from um, Planet Hulk. You know, because they, they you know they're quite, quite clear they weren't doing a Planet Hulk project, but I really wanted one. And uh, seeing this teaser trailer, at least we're going to get to see some of those elements. It's just We've seen leaked pictures before of Hulk in the armor, in his Planet Hulk, you know, gladiator yeah. armor. And we all kind of went, 
well, he's fighting in Asgard because we know, you know, this is a Thor movie, so maybe that's just some Asgardian armor that he gets, and we're not going to get a full-on Planet Hulk kind of thing, but this really looks like we're getting Planet Hulk the movie mashed up inside of a Thor movie, which is yeah. exciting. That's really yeah, exciting. Yeah, because it looks like they just, Asgard gets wrecked, and then there's the battle arena stuff that's coming later. You know, just, wow. The one thing that's going to upset me about that, because I love Planet Hulk. If you've not read Planet Hulk, get a copy of Planet Hulk. It is one of the best Hulk storylines in a very long time. And in my book, probably ever. It's just, it's, it's everything that you want from a Hulk comic. It's the Hulk being the Hulk, but on a planet where pretty much everyone is a Hulk. So that's not really an advantage um, in a lot of ways. It's it's a great storyline, but there's one thing that's in the comic that when they made the animated version of it, and there is an animated version of it if you don't want to read, which is really good as well. But in the comic, we meet the Silver Savage because the Silver Surfer has been captured by the Red King and forced to fight in the arena, and the Hulk has to go up against the Silver Savage. And seeing the Silver Surfer brought low like that in the gladiatorial armor, and oh, it is such a powerful scene that's in the comic. It is not in the animated feature. They would not give them the rights to animate the Silver Surfer for the movie. So they replaced him with Beta Ray Bill, which was a great fight because Beta Ray Bill is just a great character in and of himself. And I'm wondering if what we're actually going to see in this movie is kind of a play on that animated fight between Beta Ray Bill and the Hulk as a fight between Thor and the Hulk. Yeah. That's the great thing with the teaser trailers. They they had a couple just wonderful reveals. The the one of the reveals we're talking about with where you actually get to see Hulk step out and, oh. and start fighting Thor. And of course Thor's comment which is hilarious because he's like, <laughs> Oh hey, I know this guy. I work with him. Yeah, I know him from the office. I thought that that was my favorite. I know him from work. That just work. cracked me up. Uh, but great. The, to me, the big thing, because I mean, as excited as we are about getting some Planet Hulk stuff, the one thing that I, I, we would be remiss to talk about is Hella catching Thor's hammer and shattering yeah. it. Just, just shattering it. I squeed like a 13-year-old girl at a One Direction concert. You know what I'm saying? I just, ah, <laughs> screamed so loud because I, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, Kate Blanchett is hella. Let's just start with that. She yeah. looks so fierce. Just because just, I got worried in a way because the last big fantasy role she was in was Galadriel. And I'm like, I don't want to see angry Galadriel up against Thor. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the way they they went. She's Which was awesome. It. it was also brilliant because in a way, you, you know, you need to show the scale of power <laughs> between her and, and everybody else out on the battlefield, including Thor. And it was just a great way just to show that scale of power, like, yeah, Thor is, is mighty and, and powerful and whatnot, but... No pun intended. Yeah, he's, he's just like, <laughs> oh, Milner, crunch, you know. 
And I struggled crushing a can more than she struggled with crushing Mjolnir. <laughs> and I know that this is a uh, teaser, and it's meant to get me hype. Like that—that's that's the point. Is that to get me all it. hyped up. It did it. It worked. I, I am. Yeah. I was excited for this movie anyway because I've enjoyed the first two Thor movies. Chris Hemsworth, with the exception of Black Hat, I've really enjoyed most of the movies I've seen him in. Black Hat was just well, amazingly horrible. Not, not only enjoying him as Thor, but also their little the little one-offs they've been doing the uh, YouTube videos where he's still playing Thor, but he's basically hanging out with what is it, Bob, his roommate in Australia? Yeah, in Australia, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those crack me up. I, I, I've been. Oh, I've been so ready for this. I, I want this movie to be just everything it could ever possibly be, and it looks like it's going to be. I am so excited. Like, the trailer worked. The hype is real. If you haven't seen it, head over to ProjectShadow.com. Click on Podcast right there in the show notes. I've got the video. If you're listening to this live, the um, show notes will be up tomorrow because um, that's when the podcast actually comes out. But, oh, my goodness. This looks amazing. This just, everything about it, the look, the feel, it, it is what I want in a Thor movie. It looks dark. It looks gritty. It looks myth- mythic. You know, it doesn't just look, and, and it looks like they've learned a lot from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies to just go for it. That was the other thing about the teaser that in several ways, this felt almost more like a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer with the music in the background with the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin playing, you know, it, it kind of had that feel of, uh, you know, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailers with the classic rock and everything just going crazy. But it didn't feel like they were ripping off Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they made it very Thor. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense at all. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see this movie. I just, no more trailers, please. Like, you're going to make me explode. <laughs> I'm just going to pop. Do you have anything else to say about the trailer? No. no. Right. <laughs> just just a, a squee in unison from us here at Project Shadow HQ. Just, <laughs> yes, yes, make it now. Make it now. Oh, I don't want to wait. I'm so sick and tired of waiting. <laughs> the other trailer that dropped today, which again, just blows my mind, the Sense8 Season 2 trailer. And I don't even know what to say about this. It was really I, good. I'm I'm excited. I'm very oh, excited. Th- this is one of those shows that got under my skin and into my brain in a way that I, I cannot think... I, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Everybody who's listened to the show, who's especially at the conventions, heard me talk, knows I'm a huge sci-fi fan. I'm a huge fantasy fan. Like, I've been watching these movies, reading these books forever. And then Sense8 happened. Yeah. And it affected me. Yes? Yeah, no, no, continue. (laughs) I mean, it just affected me in a way like no other season of any show has ever affected me before. It is so intimate and so close to the skin. Like, it's like reading a novel, because I've never seen a show where I felt so inside the characters' minds as I do this show. 
Like usually that's what yeah. you only get when you read a book. Yeah, that that is one of the most fascinating things because the show like this, I mean, you are really it really gets into the the psychology, the, the mysticism, this this interconnectedness, um, you know, amongst the different characters, uh, an intimacy, a rawness, and, and yeah. a realness where you you have you know because everybody has the the fronts they like to put forward and then how they truly feel on the inside in this this show because um you know it, it all being about the the interconnectedness of the different members of the the group and their interconnectedness and being able to feel the real emotions it's it, it's so good so well portrayed um i i think it's the rawness of it and the intimacy of it, something that has scared uh, some people from it because it is, it's, it's a lot to process in a great way, in a glorious way, but it is a lot to process because, you know, the, when they're dealing with sexuality, you know, because everybody's so interconnected, it's not just one degree of sexuality. You have heterosexuals, you have homosexuals, you have all these different intimate connections and, you know, it, throwing it, a tra- trans character into the middle of it. Trans character, and, it, it, yeah, it's so fluid and so raw and real. <laughs> yeah, it it is, and I think that's I yeah I think that's what makes a lot of people turned a lot of people off initially to the series when it first came out because it forces you to feel things. It's like there are two movies that I can think of that did similar feeling things to me, though not in the same way, and that was a really powerful movie called It's Just Sex that came out, oh, I think in the 90s, that this goes through the concept of sex from a group of friends' points of view, and you see throughout the movie everything from, you know, rape to there's a heterosexual couple, a lesbian couple, and a gay couple, and basically if there is a type of sex that could be had somehow during this movie it happens and it makes you confront and look at things in ways that you've never thought about looking at them and that uncomfortableness is one of the things that makes that movie so powerful is the love scenes are so intimate that they're almost off-putting because you feel like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing and, you know, then, like I said, there are the scenes of violence and stuff as well that are off-putting because, again, it feels like something you shouldn't be seeing. And that's something that Sense8 does rather well is when you're in these characters' minds and during the fight, during the fights or during the intense moments of passion or pain, you feel like you're seeing something so intimate that you're spying on them. And it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but I like that sense of discomfort. I think that that is one of the things that, to me, shows the realness of the characters. And the other movie that affected me in a similar vein is uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Because it is such a personal story, it is such an intimate story, yet it has these broader complications and these broader um, messages in it that make you confront things about yourself, your relationships, how you act and interact in the world, that it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. 
but it, you know, yeah. that's the sort of way because you have to confront your own preconceptions. Yeah, and yeah. it's one of those things for the those of you out there that haven't seen Sunset yet. Uh, you know, you, you should definitely go watch it. It's one of those you you may want to you know marathon it a little bit or at least give yourself time to get into it because it it also you know the whole first season a lot of it's about the those connections growing and getting stronger and um you know and that that's one of the things i thought was so awesome the season two trailer is now they're they're getting far more comfortable with their connect connections and their connectivity and utilizing each of the members are utilizing that the strengths so each other's strengths and are becoming something greater and and it's really exciting to see that it looks like that's what we're going to get to see in the second season and um to get to to see why they would the uh secret government agencies would think they're a threat and and want to go after them and whatnot because uh, they legitimately are. It's not just like that weird mutant threat that you get in a lot of, you know, Marvel properties where, well, you have superpowers, therefore you're dangerous. You're going to get wipe out the human race. I mean, what's his name? Whispers says it so clearly yeah. in this. With your kind around, there are no secrets. We cannot yeah. hide anything. You are a danger because of that. And that's really what it is, is because they are so open to each other by nature of their birth. There can be no secrets in there. And it, it's, it's a very interesting um, kind of argument between this kind of um, rawness that the show has and the kind of secrecy of the old guard. In some ways, it almost feels like what we're dealing with right now with people arguing with the you know virtues of social media versus the way things used to be, right? Everything's out in the open now, and that's a bad thing. No, you get to see everything now. Nothing's hidden. Nothing's in the shadows, and you have to deal with it, <laughs> and that's uncomfortable. And I think yeah. that's a lot of what the show is about. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited about the new season of Sunset. And if after the first season you're not sure if you're excited or not, watch the Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then you'll be like, okay, yeah. Well, what what what's happening now? <laughs> and of course, the glory uh, of the Van Dam. Yeah, I was gonna say for those of you out there who who like more action, uh, don't get me wrong. This is not just a pure thought piece either. There's a plenty of action in there, and it, it's really. Awesome. Oh, it, it's so, amazing. Yeah. It is. It, this is one of those things that I feel a lot of the misunderstandings that people have of it is a factor of the time. Like, as time goes on and we live more and more in a world not quite as mystically linked as the one in Sensate, but, you know, as interconnected in many ways, this will be seen as a one of the first stories trying to grapple with this new world mm-hmm. and doing it in a very interesting and powerful way. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else on the Sensei trailer? Nope. I just right. can't wait till it comes out. Oh, me neither. Me neither. Community has always been 
one of the most important facets of fandom to me. It's not the shows we watch, it's not the books we read, it's not the comics we enjoy, or the music. Well, music is a huge part of community for me. But it's the community itself. It's the power that comes from people uniting over what they love, over what brings them together. And yeah, we have our arguments, yeah, we have our spats, but it's the things that hold us together that give us strength. It's the things that hold us together that give us power. And there are times when fandom is a glorious thing, there are times when it's a bad thing. I'm in one of those places now where I think that we've missed a lot of the secret powers that fandom could and should give us. I've been a part of a Starfleet crew for a while now, and the care, the compassion, the love that they offer is one of the most powerful things that I have in my life, because we are stronger together, and we help each other in ways that goes beyond friendship, that goes beyond anything. And that, to me, is the thing that we have to focus on going forward, is building up that community, building up those relationships, and being there for each other, both philosophically and in the thing, you know, sharing content with each other. Those are important. Those are the kind of glue that holds us together. But realizing that these are other people with their own lives. And learning through fandom to find a way to strengthen those bonds. To bring us closer together. Because I hate to sound cheesy, like, all the world needs now is love, sweet love. But what the world needs right now is people gather, gathering together and sharing the things that they love with one another and not the things that divide us. I ran into a friend today who is going through a rough time. It's the uh, one-year anniversary of the death of his father. And it's really tough seeing him in that place. And, you know, you can offer your support, you can offer your help, but there's not, you know, that's one of those things that there's just no words for. But, you know, I've lost a lot of people in my life, a lot of family in my life, and, you know, it's seeing things like this that really gets me thinking about those people and those faces I'll never see again in this life and those laughs I'll never hear again in this life and it 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 moves me and it's kind of been the theme of today you know I've been talking a lot about connection and interconnection and community but it just really made me think about how precious our time is with each other and how we really need to make the most of what time we have with one another. Because none of us know when our time's going to be up. And I know that might sound like a bummer, but if you actually take that as a positive and live every moment as if it's your last, 
and do the things that you want to do and say the things that you need to say and make the things that you need to make. Make the most of every moment. Life becomes so much more fulfilling. And we have to start living that way. I think so many of us are just like, well, we'll get around to that later. We'll get around to that later. We'll do that later. I'll tell them that later. There might not be a later. And instead of letting that get us down, we need to just use that as motivation. Hug the people that you need to hug. Love the people that you need to love. Inspire the people you need to inspire. Create the art that you need to create. Whatever it is, whatever is burning inside of you, do it. Do it now. Don't wait. No excuses. Do it. You'll thank yourself and the world will thank you for it. I've been living my life that way most of this year because there's so much that I want to do. There's so much that I need to say. I can't wait to see what y'all create. Today's question of the day is what responsibility does a content creator have to their audience? And this is a question we've talked a lot about on the in the past on both the podcast and in the blog. And it's a hard one to wrap your head around. It's it's a really hard question and it's one that's been kind of beating on the edges of my brain since the first teaser for the new Alien movie came out and honestly it's been kind of tooling around in there since Prometheus happened. I am a huge, huge fan of the Alien franchise, and my office not only has a whole bunch of uh, Star Wars and Harry Potter and Star Trek stuff in it, I have quite a few Xenomorphs. (laughs) And Prometheus was a hard movie for me to watch, but, you know, for me, I'm not one of those people that starts running and screaming with their head on fire. You know, you've ruined my childhood because it didn't. I still have the other four movies. I can watch them at my leisure anytime I want to watch Aliens. I can watch Aliens and it's still there and I love it and it's good. And now we have another Alien movie coming out. Sexier. Darker. Scarier. Okay. They know that this is not a slasher flick, right? I don't know how to feel. I don't know what I expect, really. I mean, I am not one of those people that feels like, I have supported you for all these years, you owe me, because if I felt that way, I would not be a Star Trek fan anymore, because Star Trek has unfortunately turned its back on its fans a long time ago. I mean, not long after Gene died, it started going after us with a vengeance, and it hasn't really stopped yet. We have the three, well, two and a half unfortunate J.J. Abrams movies. Actually, he didn't do the third one. I shouldn't give him credit for that, but it was actually the best of the reboot movies. But they weren't really Star Trek movies. They didn't feel like Star Trek movies. They didn't feel like Star Trek really at all. And we have the new Star Trek Discovery coming out that... I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm holding my breath on that. 
But Star Trek has been down this road. No, they don't owe me anything. They have to make money. That's what they're, they are in this business for. But it really makes me wonder when I look at a franchise like Star Wars, and at least right now, how they're handling everything with their outreach to the fans and their outreach to those who absolutely love them with the fan film awards and by bringing in several R2 um, creators groups to help make droids for Rogue One and all that. It really feels like they see themselves as custodians for something that's amazing. And to see how they're treating Thrawn on Rebels. And they they seem to feel this connection to their audience that they want to do new and great and innovative and fresh stories. But at the same time, they don't want to just write us off. You know, as old fans off. And that's a beautiful thing. And I, for me, what's going on with J.K. Rowling with the Fabulous Beasts and Where to Find Them, the same thing. I feel like she's being true to the world of Harry Potter, by, but still giving us stories that are not about Harry Potter. And so I don't really have an answer to this. I just wanted to pose the question to everyone to try to get your feels on this. Does a content creator have a responsibility to their audience? And if so, what is it? I guess the closest thing I have for an answer to this is when I think about myself as a as a writer. To me, my first obligation is to myself that I write stories that I like and enjoy, but I also want you all to like them too. Is that all there is? Let me know. Call in. We've talked a lot today about community and fandom and its place in fandom. And I felt that today would be a good day to discuss Edic. Edic is one of the most powerful things that I encountered in childhood and has guided me to this day. It's a concept from Star Trek. It is from the Vulcans. It is their highest ideal. Edic, I-D-I-C. Infinite diversity in infinite combination. And this is how they see the world. Infinite diversity in infinite combination. And so everything should be respected for what it is and its place and where it belongs. It should be evaluated based on who and what it is and not by the preconceptions that we bring to it. You can actually see how the Prime Directive in Star Trek is born out of this concept of Edic. It's a hard thing to do in life, but it is such a powerful thing to do. Once you train yourself to accept the world around you as the world around you, and then learn how to navigate within it. The world opens up to you in ways that you could never possibly imagine. I think this is one of the reasons why people think that I'm so friendly or what have you. It might not be 
the wisest thing to think about me because I am fairly introverted and, you know, well, I like to keep to myself. But when people talk to me, I listen. I don't judge. And not because I'm such a great person that I don't judge. I don't judge because, well, I've done a lot of crazy things in my own life. What's the value that comes into a situation if I bring my own judgment onto you for things that you've done? It serves no purpose. And once you learn to have that kind of level-headed evaluation of the situation and of the people and of the various circumstances you find yourself in, and it's not an easy road to get there, but it's it's a worthy road to take. You find yourself a lot less stressed and willing to listen, if not accept, other people's points of view. Now, I'm not saying that there's no room for debate. And I'm not saying that everything's perfect and we should just leave it all alone. But the first thing that you have to come to is that most change has to begin internally. Most change has to begin with you changing yourself. If you don't change yourself, it doesn't matter. This is one of the reasons, historically, hypocrisy has been a problem for people. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be that much of a problem anymore, but that's why... It was often pointed out, and it was something to be eschewed, it was something to be rejected, it was something to be turned away from. Because hypocrisy, not living up to the standards that you yourself apply, shows that you don't actually believe in those standards. Because if you really believe that life should be a certain way, then you should have to live up to it. And... You know, I thought about this today because I knew I was going to be talking about it on the podcast and I got a comment in the Flipboard magazine that we run that was extremely transphobic. And part of me thought about trying to debate the person and one of the great maxims of the internet ran through my head, you don't feed the trolls. And so I just removed the comment. We'll see what comes of that, but... There's no point in me getting worked up. And in a forum like that, there's no point in me trying to engage on that. If you can read an article about transphobia in this country and how it hurts people and still have a transphobic thing to say, that's on you, not on me. What are your thoughts on Edic? Let me know. The audio you just heard was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm.